Frank, and welcome to Humanly Possible. I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you for joining us. Well, Angela, thank you for allowing me to participate. It's my pleasure. Yes, it's, it's our honor. Uh, and uh, would love for you to just open up with a quick introduction, who you are, what you do, and what makes you human. Well, I'm Frank Cottle. I'm the chairman and CEO of the Alliance uh, Group of Companies. Uh, we're in the flexible workspace industry. Um, and that means uh, as an industry, we combine people, place, and technology into a single bundled product and, and we deliver it uh, uh, as a subscription or as in a highly flexible service agreement. So everything that you need to work combined into a single product. Um, we work globally. Uh, we have uh, facilities in 54 countries uh, and we serve everybody from uh, the largest governments such as the United States on down to startups and everybody in between. Uh, we've been doing this for 42 years now. Wonderful. So way before uh, all these buzzwords came into play, right? Like oh, yeah. hybrid well, working. We, we, and... <laughs> we, 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 we actually created a lot of those buzzwords. Uh, we created the term virtual office as an example. Uh, so we, we, we've been around a while for sure. That's wonderful. Well, um, thank you for joining. And uh, oh, and what makes you human? Forgot that what one. makes me human? <laughs> Boy, that's a, you get a dramatic pause here. Um, <clears throat> I know, my wife. My wife makes me human. We've been together since 1969, and she keeps me very centered. She's a very intelligent and insightful person, and uh, she shows me uh, a lot of things that I should know, but I didn't really look at properly. Not not in a negative way, but she she does help me to to understand a lot of a lot of things in life. I love that. I love that. I um, well, you always need that that yin to your yang, the yin to your yang, right? And it's funny because my husband kind of serves a similar, <laughs> similar purpose. You know, calling me out when I need it, challenging me. Uh, so that's 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 a a blessing to have. I I don't know whether I'd call her the yin to my yang or the jerk to my chain, uh, but you know, we we can go on from there. With, with <laughs> yes, that. there's so many analogies we could use. Uh, well, thank you for sharing that, Frank. And you know the um, you know the premise of this podcast, as as you know, as others know, is around how do we make uh, workplaces more human. And so I'm just curious to know, uh, you know, what trends you're seeing in the space. We're in a very pivotal point, I think, with the next generation of work. But what are some key things that you're you're finding as you're talking to some of the organizations and clients you're working with? Well, I, I think you use the word pivotal, and I hear that a lot. And, and I don't, I, honestly, I don't think that's correct. Um, I, I think we, the change that we're going through is a change that's been building up for decades. Uh, and we happen to have been trying to do it perfectly. And you've heard the old saying, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Well, COVID came along and all of a sudden we just had to be good. We didn't have to be perfect. But before that, everyone was evolving. Uh, going back uh, 16, 17, 18, uh, 19, uh, um, all large corporations had a huge battle for talent. And part of the way that they were winning that battle 
or attempting to is by having a flexible workplace program in place because honestly if you're a tech company you can't get a good engineer if you say oh you yeah you oh, come work for us we'll pay a bunch of money oh by the way you have to commute an hour and a half on a train each way to get to the office and you have to be in the office at eight o'clock because we're gonna have a meeting of 30 people that engineer just gonna laugh and say forget it I'm not working for you and they don't have to so the war for talent had already defined a need for extreme flexibility in the workplace and people were trying to do it perfect the perfect plan the perfect everything and then COVID came along and and they just got kicked right over the threshold of good and they said oh um uh, everybody go home we'll, we'll sort this out and now we've been home long enough to where um we're not pivoting we're just not going back or not going back in the same way and it, it, it's not a, a pivot where you're turning around um, it's just you're going still going forward but in a little different way and 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 everybody talks about the new normal that what's the new normal gonna be well if it's new it can't be normal if it's normal it's not new so really what we're doing is we're just progressing in a in a, a, a positive fashion to do what you're so uh, so focused on help everybody be a little more human it's not human to commute in a dirty train an hour and a half to get to a high-rise office that's not built on a human scale in a high-density environment work in a hermetically sealed room with artificial air conditioning for eight or ten hours under fluorescent lights and then go home that's not human okay human is riding your bike down the road uh to some place that's close enough to uh come home for lunch if you want to uh where your commute is in nature um on a sidewalk on a roadway uh, on, a, on a bike path um those things are human um so there there will be a lot of adjustment made particularly in high density markets that are full of um of public transportation reliant upon public transportation to import the workforce to the city and then export it at night back to the neighborhood um we're going to see a lot of change in in structure around cities and around the way people work um just because we've now gotten used to what is normal right and it's it's interesting because it feels like and tell me if you agree with this um it feels like the social contract has been changed a little bit i don't know i i feel like the now that people have gotten the taste right of working from home or working in a flexible environment do you feel like there's been a social contract revelation i guess with workers to say you know I know what this is now and it works for me and I don't want to go back to yeah, I, I, that I, I, normal I, I, you were talking about. I, I think social contract is is a good um, term to use for the change that that is going on uh, the adjustments that we're making and uh, I don't think it's overly radical I think there's always been underpinnings every employer um, seeks to provide a good environment that's creative and productive for their employees and every employee 
seeks to be productive and do the best they can at their job. So that contract, which is the create, which creates the value structure, is not changing. It's just how we go about defining each of those things that is the change, really. Um, uh, and I think it, it has come um, uh, almost uh, as an epiphany to a lot of people that, wait, I don't have to do what I did yesterday to be more productive tomorrow. I can actually be more productive by doing something different. And so there's been this massive epiphany that's rippling through, uh, we call it the pebble effect. You drop a pebble in a pond somewhere. And depending on the shape of the pond and, and, and how the shoreline of the pond, the waves from that pedal break at different places at different times with different intensities. And COVID was a pebble in a pond for business and for many of us just in life in general. And how we're reacting to it is different, speed, intensity, etc. But we're all reacting to that pebble. And how do you, and I just think about the, the pebble in the pond is a great visual. I love that analogy. And, um, but they're going to, they're, what I'm noticing is some companies or, you know, organizations are moving more quickly uh, towards this, this, um, you know, epiphany, let's call it this, this realization that things can be done differently. Do you, first of all, do you think we're going to have a group of companies that just don't get on board? And what oh, do you think is going to happen to those companies? Ab absolutely. But what's on board mean? If their, model, if their model is successful for them, and that'll be judged by their employees because they'll choose to work there or not, then they are on board. You know, it, and everybody doesn't have to work. I mean, it, this is not a marching band. You know, we don't have to work in com completely synchronized fashion playing exactly the same tune. Uh, this is more like a jam fest um, where, you know, you're going you're gonna to pick up a riff and, and I'm going to hit the drums and then somebody else is going to slide in with a tune. This is more like a jam fest than a marching band. And we have to look at it that way because companies are as individual as the people that work within them are. And everybody says, well, my, my concern right now is around maintaining my company culture. We have, we, we all have to be in the same room at the same time in a circle singing Kumbaya together, or we don't have a culture. And I look at that kind of laugh a little bit because I never know the whole words to Kumbaya, by the way. Uh, and I look at that and I say, well, you, you do have a company culture. Sadly, it's just the wrong one. Uh, and people are going to get up from that circle and they're going to walk away and join some other group that's not singing in a circle, but's having a jam fest um, that lets people be outstanding doing what they're doing, regardless of what instrument they're playing, regardless of where they're sitting in the organization overall. And it, it just we we will be evolving that way. We are evolving that way. And, and uh, you're a behavioral psychologist, so I'll, I'll ask you a question. Um, let's pretend uh, that I have a substance abuse problem. 
okay? You're already going, oh, he's going someplace strange. But let's, let's pretend I have a substance abuse problem. And uh, on January 1st of 2020, you and I got together and you explained this to me and you said, Frank, you have a substance abuse problem. Here's what you need to do to get over your substance abuse problem. So for 18 months, I have dealt with my substance abuse problem. I haven't gone back to my bad habit. I have changed my life habits for 18 months. What is the percentage of recidivism to substance abuse after 18 months of not participating in that problem? 5%? 10%? It's very, 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 very low, very, very low. And so we, as, as a, all of society or all of society in the Western world that we see in the working environment, at least, we have changed our habit for 18 months. And we still haven't unchanged that habit yet because we're evolving it. Okay, so uh, using the substance abuse thing, probably terrible analogy to stick on but it's like okay i was an alcoholic um i've stopped drinking for 18 months but i've decided from now on on saturday evenings i am going to have a glass of wine with my wife for dinner that's okay i'm, I'm in control everything's worked so i'm now i've changed my habits and now i'm deciding what further change I'm going to have that balances out my life the way I've really decided objectively I wanted to lead it. Well, that's what companies have to do. And that's what the individuals that work for companies. And you've heard of the great resignation. 41% of all employees within knowledge working companies and tech companies have said they will leave their job before they go back to doing it the way they did it before. Now, the reality is... Um, that's easy to say in a survey. It's hard to do uh, and when you're staring at your family and you have to make your house payment. So, um, uh, uh, you know, 40% will become 20% real fast. You know, it's like, oh yeah, okay, you're fired. Uh, I didn't mean it, boss. Uh, you know, you, you run into a lot of that. But even 20% of a major workforce group making a statement that strong when there's already a battle for talent going on companies have to listen to their customers they have to listen to their suppliers they sure as heck better listen to the people that are running the company because this isn't just you know people on a, a factory floor this is people top to bottom this is the creators within the companies that are saying this the people that design the products and if you don't have new product design, you don't have a company. So I think the issue then is how far do you go? Does everybody work anywhere, anytime, any place without any deference to any organizational structure whatsoever? And eh, that won't work. That wouldn't work very well at all. Um, so it's how far do you go? And I, I think you go as far as is necessary to continue to be productive and pay attention to as you use the thing the human side of things which says i don't want to get in a dirty train anymore 
Um, I don't want to sit in giant meetings that aren't productive. Uh, I have learned to use technology to, for meetings. You're in the Chicago land. I'm in Newport Beach. Does it really matter? No. Uh, my chief marketing officer is in Lexington, Kentucky. My chief operating officer for our company is in Monterey, Mexico. My chief financial officer is in Las Vegas. My head of finance is also in Las Vegas. Coincidence only. Uh, my head of uh, you know, business operations uh, overseas is, is in, in Amsterdam. Um, it doesn't matter where we are. We get the best people, and then, to your point again, we say, what's the least disruptive to them and their family? Well, our fellow in Kentucky, he happens to like farms and horses. Can you imagine what it would cost me to move him to Newport Beach, where he could probably have a small condo uh, for the cost of a nice farm in Kentucky? How happy would his family be? Not at all. So it's going to cost me a lot of money, be very disruptive to his family, maybe hurt his marriage, certainly disrupt his children's education, just so he can become part of my culture. Sit in a meeting face to face. That's the silliest thing I've ever heard. Mm. And, you know, culture is, I mean, you bring up a great point. I think there is this concept of office culture. Like, I think about The Office, right? I literally think about the show The Office and the, the, the cheesiness behind some of the concepts of office culture. And at the end of the day, you've got team members who are like, you know what? I don't want to go to that. Like, I'd rather go home to my family than go to that happy hour, right? Or I'd rather go home to my, my kids than go to that golfing event or that retreat. Um, and so I think there's a disconnect there. Uh, and maybe just a lack of listening to your point around what are the preferences? What are the choices we can give people uh, that are going to increase their quality of life? Well, you know, you, you, you use the term happy hour. And um, let's, de let, let's define why you have happy hour between five and six. It's because you had unhappy eight, eight hours, hours beforehand. Hour. That's a brilliant point, Frank. Okay, so, so you know, j just the, the fact that you have to get together after work to detox from what you've been doing all day is a sad, sad thing. You know, you should be all coming out of the office going, yeah, man, I had such a great day today. I did all these cool things. I created this stuff. Uh, I got a bunch of things done. I feel real productive. Now I'm going to go home and share that feeling with my family. Okay, and you should be able to do that, not having to rush to get a train, rush to get on a subway, uh, rush to do all sorts of things, but be able to go down the street near your town where you live, and maybe you live in, in, in midtown, but you, you should be able to live and work in the same place. If you can't live and work in the same place, then you have the wrong job or you have the wrong motivations. Um, uh, overall, in my that's my opinion. So, what what do you say to the leader or the founder or the executive who you mentioned earlier? The you know what's going to happen to culture if we're all not in the same place physically? Uh, what are some things that 
I mean, you've been in this business for a long time, so you've seen facts, figures, stats on on why that's not the fact. Uh, so, what do you what do you say to somebody who truly believes that? Well, number one, I, I, I'm a, a future of work person. I'm a kind of a futurist as as an individual. So, I look at those people and I just kind of laugh at them. And say, well, you you you'll stay there, and everybody else will move forward. So. I don't have to talk, I don't even have to talk to you because you won't be in the future. Okay, so there, there's a certain arrogance on my part when I look at situations like that that's probably misplaced, but, but it, that, that's the way I, I feel oftentimes. Um, uh, people that resist change uh, generally um, aren't around for a while, a long time. Uh, uh, now, there is a, a reality in certain industries and in certain circumstances where bringing a group together for creative purposes is good. The question is, do you have to do it every day, all day long? Right. Purposeful. Okay. Uh, uh, so I would say no, that that's actually an uncreative structure because it becomes normalized and then trivialized uh, overall. Um, so I would just say to people, you know, if you want to hire the best people to that CEO, if you want to hire the best people and you want them to work for you for a long life cycle and to be their most productive, then you have to allow them to work in an environment that encourages that. And it's not necessarily groupthink. Um, groupthink is not your most productive environment. Name me any great artist, any great performer, any great inventor that went to meetings all day long. They commuted to work. Okay? Just just one. Just one. Just one. I, I cannot give you one. <laughs> okay. Do you think Elon Musk, let's take Elon Musk as an example. Do you think Elon Musk commutes um, from his home to his office um, uh, and back and forth every day? Or do you think he kind of lives in his office sometimes and works from his house sometimes and works on the road sometimes and does different things? Uh, we all would all recognize he's a pretty creative fellow. Uh, do you think Richard Branson uh, sits around, uh, goes to his office every day and commutes to get there and sits in his big high-rise office, or does he work half the time from his house and half the time on the road and half the time in meetings with people, virtual and otherwise? And how about Bill Gates? You know, pick any hyper-successful corporate leader, such as you're talking about, for, that run these large corporations. When you look at the most creative of them, go do a top 10 survey or something, and, and you, I think you'll find that most of them work out of their house or out of an alternative workplace the great majority of the time. Sure didn't hurt Bill Gates. Sure didn't hurt Elon Musk. Let's not talk about Richard Branson's lovely home in Mustique in the Caribbean. Uh, uh, you know, it, it's, it's silly to expect others to do that when you haven't done it yourself, when that's not been your own path to success. Hmm. That's a wonderful point. So if culture is not office culture, what, what is culture? What, what makes it? Culture is bringing together people's desire to be productive and as a team. Um, um, uh, it, it's accomplishing something together. 
Uh, and you can have that same feeling and accomplishment whether you're remote or whether you're all in the room or whether it's uh, a mixture of, of the above. The, the key is what are you setting out to do and are you doing it? And are you doing it well? Uh, if, if your culture is around your productivity uh, as, a, as teams, then your differences should be some of your strengths. There's lots of, of discussion these days uh, about differences um, and diversity and, and things of that nature. Um, those should be your strengths uh, overall. And uh, I'll, I'll use our own company. Uh, years ago, um, we set out to, to create a, a service company that uh, would have uh, a variety of business center and co-working type center facilities at, uh, in it or tied to it now. And uh, we had an interesting thing. I was in, uh, I was in Chennai in India and w one of our facilities there is a five-star facility um, and it uh, was, we ha had the whole building and at the ground level of the building we were in a conference in a, in a, in a meeting room and a cow walked in off the street uh, because it was an open lobby, walked in off the street and looked around for a moment, left a little cow present in the middle of the lobby, and then wandered away. Well, that was a five-star facility in Chennai, India. That same cow would not have wandered into a five-star facility in London or New York. Okay? So it came down to us, we said, you know, we can have a variety of locations and facilities and standards, but we can only have one standard of service. So we built a culture not around facilities and big brands on the wall and everybody wears the same color and, and we all, we sing the song and hey, have you memorized the mission statement? Who cares? Uh, 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 we built a culture around service okay and so if if we're good at service we'll make sales uh, and and all of our internal services within the company service our sales department uh, so it's sales to service and sales from service uh, overall that's our culture and that's what people thrive on because when you're serving well there's a satisfaction to it I did something really good for Angela today. It helped Angela with her business. I helped Angela grow her business today. You know, I should feel pretty, pretty proud of myself. It's very simple. Uh, and, and we don't have to be in the same room to do that. Uh, we have a, a sales a center for North America that happens to be in Monterey, Mexico. And we've built it down there about 15, 18 years ago, I guess, and we started it down there. And we built it down there just because that's where our head of operations happened to be from with his family. So we thought, well, why don't we build it Monterey? Why don't we make Toshi move up here? Forget it. We'll just start building it down there. And so we did. Uh, and overall, we outperform every competitor who's physically in their own facilities on site in the U.S. Okay. Our team is better at providing service and th than the people that are actually in their own facilities 
directly nose to nose with the customer. Our people two, three thousand miles away from the customer, and yet our retention, our service rates, our return customers are much higher than at the local levels. And it's that culture of service. So it can be done uh, anywhere. It should be done everywhere. And that's where your cultures should, should come from. It's not based on a building with your sign, name on, on the side of the building that's really a, a monument to yourself. That's meaningless. And it will become much more meaningless in the future because as people do work remotely, think of New York for a minute or you're from Chicago, let's visualize Chicago, visualize the Chicago skyline, all those buildings. Let's send everybody home one day a week. It's a 20% vacancy factor. Let's send them home two days a week, which is getting into the hybrid workplace. That's a 40% vacancy factor. What are we going to do with all that space? And all that money. No, <laughs> I'm not going to do with all that space. <laughs> We're going to turn it into residential space so people don't have to commute to Chicago. They can actually work there because the cost of residential will go down. Cities will be reshaped tremendously as a result of this. Um, more people that live in the city will work in the city because you're going to have a complete change and repurposing of a lot of commercial real estate. And that's a very good thing. It won't devalue the real estate. It will just repurpose it and make the cities actually more vibrant. You, you've heard the old thing, oh, great city. Yeah, they roll up the sidewalks at 6 o'clock. You know, that city is closed at 6 o'clock. Well, it's closed because people don't live there. They don't live where they work. If they do live where they work, then you'll have a whole new vibrance and a whole new vitality uh, in center cities. I, I, I love the connection to, I mean, we talked about quality of life. We talked about, you know, real estate. I mean, there's such, you talk about that pebble again, right? There's so many ripples. I think this change is going to impact for, you know, human, humankind in general. So it's, it's very exciting. And it's also a big change. So there's a big, I think, people readiness component to it. I know you and I talked about this earlier. Um, but anything else that you want to mention, just to kind of wrap up the conversation? I know we've talked about a lot, but you've provided some great futuristic, I mean, you are the future of work guru here. So tell us what else should we be on the lookout for and what else you want um, the audience to, to know about future of work? Well, I think, um, number one, to your point, it, it has the opportunity right now to reshape itself into a little more comfortable human environment uh, overall. Um, uh, everyone is re-looking at not just how we work and where we work, but the facilities that we work from. And we're trying to make them more comfortable and more engaging. And we're designing them not for efficiency of the building uh, and utilization structure as much as for the efficiency of the people that are populating those buildings, uh, large and small. So there's a big trend shift there um, that, again, isn't new. Everybody was thinking that way, but now there's a new need, and the need will create a certain level of action in that regard. Uh, technology certainly is going to have an impact as well. Um, uh, we're in the virtual office business. In a couple of years, we'll be in the virtual reality office business, um, selling not just offices, but software with our offices so that 
you can slip on a headset or use haptics or whatever you want to use uh, to engage into a virtual environment uh, as opposed to a physical environment. You'll be able to be in both places and that difference will again repurpose real estate. You can create higher density in many respects and yet still have lots of space. Um, so when you're in a virtual space, it, uh, it may you may be at a 48-inch workstation. Uh, that's pretty dense. That's pretty awful, actually. But not if you've got a headset on. And a headset on, you're in a 2,000-square-foot office with a couch and a conference room. Um, so uh, uh, right now, you and I are talking on a flat screen back and forth uh, within... 24 to 36 months, we would be holographically connected inst instead. Uh, that's in the works, and it's it's moving into proof of concept issues uh, there. But virtual reality, um, holographics, that will be, again be technology that will change how we communicate and how we bring people together uh, overall, and it will make it much easier. Um, and it will have an adaptation rate ultimately sort of like the the cell phone or the mobile phone has uh, you know pretty soon you know my first mobile phone i had i think it was in 1973 or 4 and was the size of a small suitcase set in the trunk of my car i had a rotary dial that i had to call the marine operator on and she would place the call for me and i had a whip antenna that came over the back of my car and connected to my front bumper okay it was dumb but it worked, okay? Um, so, so that technology had been around for a long time. It got evolved to the point where it was a mass consumption and now it's the most ubiquitous device on the planet. Um, so new ways to communicate, move once they're established, move very, very quickly. Look at pandemic, look at Zoom, okay? One company, that wasn't even the leader, wasn't even the first, but was the easiest to use by the most people. And so as new ways to communicate are brought to us, we will use them as rapidly as we can, particularly if they have a, uh, if you were sitting across the, the desk from me holographically, this conversation would be just that much cooler. Okay, so, you know, we're, we're going there. We're, we're definitely going there. Not just our company, but every major company in the world will be going there. Wow. Well, just such interesting, um, interesting, it's hard to believe now, but it is so close. I mean, I heard a stat the other day that we're closer to 2030 than we are to 2019. We're yeah, moving so quickly. I, I agree. I agree. Uh, I definitely agree with that. Um, uh, time moves forward towards you. You do not move towards it. Uh, time is not a goal you, you push at. It comes at you. Um, I've always believed that. And I, so I think your, your comment about 2020 or 2030 is, is quite accurate. Well, I'm, I'm just so, I, I love this conversation, first of all. So thank you for taking the time, Frank. Uh, and thank you for sharing your futuristic views on this. Uh, these things are a reality. And I think we're, you know, moving in that direction. Um, and we're being challenged along the way. Uh, so thank you for sharing, Frank. And, and thanks for joining us. Really, really appreciate it. My pleasure. Anything we can do to help, let us know.
Perfect. And we'll make sure, Frank, to include your uh, website and um, access for so listeners can um, take a look and reach out and contact you if they need help with their future work needs. So well, that, thanks again. That, that sounds good. I'll, I'll give you another website to your audience also. Um, you can list the Alliance Virtual website, but also give you allwork.space. All workspace. All work.space. Um, all work is a publication we put out. It's free. Um, and it really, it owns the trademark to the future of work, for crying out loud. Uh, so uh, it really is focused on the topic in general for people that are interested in following the topic. And we reach close to 35 million people a month with all work. So it's a, 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 a real thing. Uh, and and um, that for people interested in the topic and interested in content around the topic, research reports, things of that nature, that's a source for them to go to, and it's free. Perfect. Well, we will be sure to include that and have people take advantage of that value that you've provided for free, so thank you. And um, we hope to have you back on sometime as things progress, maybe with uh, you know virtual reality. We'll have another another episode to come. <laughs> Well, that, that, that works for me. Happy to do so. Thank you, Frank. Thank you.